on this past Sunday, uh, we started this brand new series called Our Father. And the heart and the hope is, you know, to really challenge the church, not just Serve City, but the church in general. Everyone everywhere who is naming, who has believed the gospel, who is naming the name of Jesus. You know, we have to understand now more than ever that it is imperative for us to be unified. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. In, the re in this world where said that's exactly what I'm talking about. We need to get to the place where we understand the importance and the magnitude of unity in this season. The world needs to look at us and see that we are together. Especially in a time where you see more fighting in churches than you do in the world. Come on, can we just keep it real? And the fact is, I challenged you last week and I'll continue challenging you this wise to understand that you know, one of the biggest plights of the predominant brand of Christianity that, you know, we espouse today and that our generation holds to is, you know, that it's, it's hyper-focus on a personal relationship with Jesus. And yes, as I said, you know, having a personal relationship with Jesus, you know, we got the place where like, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. All that stuff is cute, but not at the expense of, expense of our corporate relationship with Jesus. And so, yes, yes, you should have a personal relationship with Jesus, but not to the place where it costs you your corporate relationship with our Father. And this is the challenge because we are so focused on what's in it for me. And this is why, you know, we're in a generation where people especially see the, the, the online opportunity is fantastic. And when that is the only way that we're able to connect, praise God for accessibility in that regard when that's the only way for us to fellowship you know or if you're in another country watching this right now and you're able to connect with us that wise praise the lord but you know we're to a generation especially in covid and this is why i believe the lord has led me here to share where we have gotten to the place where even when the doors are open we're not running to bust through those doors and get together with people anymore because we're of things like fear or because of uh you know just comfortability and in many regards laziness and some of us were looking for an opportunity to just stay at home in our drawers and watch the computer and this gave you the opportunity and it's like nah fam like no 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 uh god's assignment on our life according to hebrews 10 25 is not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the custom of some but that is, we see the day of the Lord approaching, it should be our agenda to gather and to fellowship and to connect as much as we can. Because it's about not just our personal faith, but our corporate faith. And so, you know, when I think about this, one of the biggest barriers for us in terms of uniting, and here I want to talk to you because there are many of you, as you know, several people are always getting baptized here at Serve City and joining the Christian community, and we are excited. And there are several of you uh, even here that are new to Christian Christianity. And I, you know, and then there are many of us, you know, you've been, uh, you've been following God since, uh, since Moses parted the Red Sea and Noah built the ark, you know. And that the fact of the matter is that it's for both of us. Number one, number one, those of us who are new to Christianity, I want you to understand the bigness, the vastness of your God and of this thing we call church and what God has called us to. And not only that, but for those of us who've been following God for a long time, it's imperative that we get to the place where we get rid of this clickism. Come on, somebody. You got more gangs in church than Crips. 
Y'all want to, y'all going to keep it real with me today. And it's imperative for us because we oftentimes negate, watch this, this is why we're unable to have, uh, you know, corporate encounters with God. And I told you, I said, you know, when we get together for church, it's not about us being entertained from the front. It's about liturgy. Everybody say liturgy. Liturgy is about all of us uh, coming together and having and everything that happens up here is supposed to point our focus upward together. It's not a performance, but it is liturgy. It's us connecting and ascending, going higher together as a church around our father. And so this is the idea for us. You know, it should never be to a place where the only people that are singing is the worship leaders. Should never be the only people that are clapping and showing emotion are the people that's on the stage. They are leading you to be to the place where you worship as well. Where you sing as well. But one of the biggest reasons I said that we are disconnected as opposed to being unified, you know, and we don't see God as our father is because of clickism. It's because of elitism in church. Oh, can I just talk about this stuff today? Because of elitism, because of the fact that many of us, we look at other Christians or we look at other denominations or, you know, as, as I share with you, within the context of Protestantism, there are over 30,000 denominations. I, you know, and that just happened. That Christianity is over 2,000 years old and that just happened within just about 500 years ago. Just think about that. And aside from this, even in the, 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 the organizations or the organisms of the church that existed prior to the start, of, prior to the Reformation, you know, even within the Orthodox faith and the Catholic faith, the Roman Catholic faith, there are varying types of sects within those that represent cultural things and, 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 and variances of belief. And also, it's just insane in terms of the way that the body is fragmented. And God knew that, of course, these things would happen. This is not out of his uh, allowance as it pertains to his sovereignty. But the fact of the matter is that even with this, God's desire is still for us to be one. And unity is still possible. And this, I'm just laying the foundation, even in the midst of where there is fragmentation and where there may be these uh, these splits that have taken place. Even though it's not the perfect will of God, it is what it is, but we still can be unified. And, you know, as I think about this and people thinking their thing is better than others and some people don't have it. And so, you know, my wife, she is a superstar to me. She is someone that's very quiet in most times unless you're around, you know, like in our house and all of this. But she is someone that, you know, I admire and I love so much pushing beyond her fears. And prior to having kids, prior to even us being married, um, you know, she's traveled to Africa and the Middle East and done all sorts of missionary work. My wife, uh, I, did, I just realized that I didn't note you earlier, babe. Um, Pastor Chantal, she was up here praying earlier. And, you know, and we lead together. And the thing is, it's, it's amazing. She's traveled. And then even when the Hurricane Katrina catastrophe hit, she uprooted. We weren't even married as of yet. And she uprooted and went down to uh, Mississippi and, and, and you know, and, and Louisiana and helped to organize, you know, hundreds of volunteers bringing normalcy back to the lives of literally thousands of people whose lives were shattered during that time. My wife is incredible and I give God praise for her. You know, can I just big up my wife, you know? And I give God praise for her. And so look, the crazy thing is though, 
you know, when you look at her, you see the fruit of the Spirit evident massively in her life. And prior, you know, I'll I'll never forget, you know, even with this, leading people to Jesus as best as she knew how at the time, preaching to, you know, hundreds of people and seeing lives transformed and all sorts of stuff. And one day she went to a birthday party. I just talk about, you know, those birthday parties. Went to a birthday party, and when she's at the birthday party, she happened to have a conversation with someone who told her uh, that, you know, that although all these things are all cool, uh, but she don't have the Holy Ghost. Oh, y'all don't want to? Okay. No, nobody's ever heard anything like that before. And so, even though she's saved and she's trusted Jesus and been baptized and doing these things and whatever, somebody's going to tell her, she doesn't have the Holy Ghost. And so then she's like, what are you talking about? You know, she's starting to say, okay, what do you mean I don't have the Holy Ghost? I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure that I have the Holy Spirit, you know, all this. And in that moment, people in that room, they, they ask her to come to the back room with her. And, or with them rather. And they go, she goes to the back room with them. I'm not there, mind you. It would have been all sorts of bowls flying and stuff if I was there in that moment. But she's there, and suddenly, I don't know, she says, all these people get around her, and they start, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Y'all ever heard of anything like that? Okay. And they start to, you know, start to try to get her to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because despite the fact, and what they mean by filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment was that she needed to speak in tongues right there. Although the Apostle Paul asked the rhetorical question in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the end of the chapter, he says, do all speak with tongues? And he asked that question because he realizes that you can have, can we just talk about it? You can have the Holy Spirit and not speak with tongues. Does that mean that tongues are evil? No, of course not. I speak with tongues. Paul even says I speak in more tongues than all y'all. But in that moment, she was being pressured and being challenged that what she had was not the real thing because she didn't express herself or cooperate in the context. Come on, somebody. I mean, my Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12 and onward that when you trust in the gospel, that you are see- Can I just teach some doctrine for a second? That you are sealed with the spirit of promise until the day of redemption i hear ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says that we are not to grieve the holy spirit of god with which you were sealed until the day of redemption and so it's this idea you know titus 3 5 says you're not saved of works uh, but you are saved by the washing you're saved by the washing renewal regeneration is it okay to talk bible of the holy spirit And so although your experience might be one way, you know, oftentimes we look at others and we try to pressure them into having our experience because we think that unless they have it like us, until unless they look like us, oh, this is getting really uncomfortable. I see some of y'all just like, oh, why did I? Well, I just got to keep it real because how many of you know that we abuse people, watch this, and even if God wanted to give her the gift of tongues, which she ended up getting that manifestation later down the line when nobody was circling around her, clapping and telling her stuff and yelling in her ears, she ended up getting it for herself in terms of the manifestation of the spirit. But the fact of the matter is that many of us abuse people because their experience is not like ours. 
And we try to downplay them and create classism. Oh, can I talk about it? And so the fact of the matter is, it's not about the fact that you don't have it. But just because I don't have it like you have it doesn't mean that I don't have it. And this is one of the biggest reasons why we are often hindered from being able to be unified. You know, in fact, the matter is Christianity, as I said last week, and I'm just kind of alluding to some of these things, has been in existence for over 2,000 years. And many of us think that our organization that started less than 200 years ago is the only one that has it right. And everybody else is going to hell and everybody else is wrong. And new Christians, I want to warn you against the fact that there are people that are going to come out and come against you and try to challenge you to think that they are the only ones that got it and everybody else is wrong. And you know how we do? We try to explain away a people's experiences. Well, you got it, but you didn't just, you didn't get it the full, you didn't get it in its fullness. Oh, I know that devil was cast out, but that devil was cast out, you know, it was a half cast out. And if you just have it like us, if you got it like us, then you would be. This is real stuff, fam. It's real stuff. And so I want to start here today and I want to just kind of deal with this because it's imperative for us to understand that God is our father. He's not just your father, but he is our father. And even though the experience, I love that God's experiences are not linear. Come on, somebody everybody's experience is different if you read through the book of acts you see the ordinary means you see repent be baptized in the name of the lord jesus for the remission of sins and you'll receive the holy ghost but then you see in acts chapter 10 while peter is preaching cornelius and his households are household are filled with the holy spirit then they're baptized so it's crazy how sometimes god does stuff in pattern but often sometimes he does stuff outside of the regular and many of us try to box him in and put him in a position where he has to do it our way or the highway. And I love this because Mark chapter 9, what book did I say? Are y'all still with me? We still going to be friends after this? Look, Mark chapter 9 verse 38 through 40. I love this. John said to him, I'm going to read it for the sake of time. Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. I ended on this scripture last Sunday. And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. In other words, he wasn't a part of that denomination. He wasn't walking directly. They weren't walking directly with Jesus. More than likely, historians believe that this was, these were disciples of John the Baptist. And so they weren't necessarily at that time walking with Jesus, although they were casting out devils uh, in his name. And the work was taking place. People were getting free, but they wanted to stop them because they weren't walking with Jesus and that crew right there. Because those people weren't a part of their clique, they were less interested about the deliverance and more interested in about the clique and the gang. But Jesus says, don't stop him. I know you think you need to go and get everybody else's denomination to come be a part of your denomination. Come on, somebody. I know you, need, you think that it's your job to go and get everybody to get it the way you got it. And you don't get it. He says, don't stop him. Come on. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be, will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. 
In other words, these people are not, uh, they, are, they are speaking what they're doing and they're doing what they're doing in my name and they are going to stand for me. And here's verse 40, for the one who is not against us is for us. And so this is important. Somebody say our father. Our father. It's imperative for us to understand that it is not the agenda of the kingdom for us to go and tear down other elder people and talk about them or try to bash them or try to overthrow the mighty works that God is doing or to try to discredit or discount what it is that God is doing in their midst. Because I'm here to tell you it, there are Baptist churches that are filled with the Holy Spirit where devils are cast out and lives are changed. It's Pentecost coastal churches where lives are changed and transformed and impact here's a curveball it's roman catholic churches where there are lives transformed and changed and orthodox churches come on can i just talk about it there are all sorts of organizations where the power of god is at work and we got to get to the place where we understand that it is not just in our house and in our brand and in our area where, where it is possible for the spirit of the Lord to move. And see, so, you know, many of us, we live with an idealistic worldview. You know, that attempts to negate God's ability to fulfill his, world in a, his word in a broken world. So we look around and, you know, we have an idealistic worldview. You know, and I listen to certain people and they're like, we're the only true church. And it's like. You know, everybody else is not a part of the body of Christ. We're, we, you're not a part of the body of Christ till you're a part of our church. We can trace our succession back to the apostles. And that's cute. But at the end of the day, the fact of the matter is that that idealistic perspective, watch this, it, 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 is, it, it does not take into account in many cases the cultural, the cultural distinctions. And not only that, but the atrocities that have taken place, you know, as a result of racism and things like residential schools. And so most of the time when you want us to come and be one in your, we have to come and be one as a part of your thing. When Jesus, I believe, his perspective, yes, is for us to be one. And at the end of the day, in, as uh, Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 shares that people from every nation, tongue, and tribe, and all of this are going to come before the throne. Revelation 7, 9, and 10, and, and, and are going to worship before the throne of God. At the end of the day, yes, we will be as one shepherd. Uh, there will be one shepherd and, and with one flock of sheep. But until then, there are going to be distinctions. There are are going to be separations and all of this sorts of stuff that are happening but even though this is the case we still can have unity as we're on our way there are you with me and so it's important because you know as i said man the enemy's job especially during this season that we're now coming out of it's been his assignment to try and overthrow unity in the church and I told you over time throughout history, it has been important before the great schism of 1054 AD when the Eastern Church and the Western Church split. Before the Protestant Reformation that, you know, as I said, is about 500 years ago and all of the denominations that came, that came as a result. Prior to all of that, the church's desire, back to Jesus in John 17, his desire is that he prayed, God, let us be one. Let them be one rather as we are one 
That's the desire of Jesus and the church out of that in the early church prior to the schism. Their heart was to make sure that no matter where we were, although our cultural differences might be there and all of that, but there would be things that were central that we held to. And so last week I told you about the Nicene Creed. Everybody say the Nicene Creed. The creed is a belief system, and I'm not going to read it again today, but we're going to be hearing more about these things as we go on. It was an attempt to make sure that we, uh, uh, to, that we are unified in our belief system. A creed is a belief system back in the 4th century, so 325 AD, and, and then it was uh, expanded to combat more heresy. Heresy is false teaching. And so it was expanded in 321 AD. And so this is something that I was sharing with you. Things that we combat, that allow us to combat heresy, but also to unify the body. So that no matter where we are, we still can stand strong in our belief system. And now I know we like, we're cute and we like to, you know, have our, our, uh, our, our ripped jeans and skinny jeans church. You know, and, and, and we don't like singing verses anymore. You know, I mean, all we sing is choruses and a lot of times and all this cute stuff that we do, you know, and we just, we don't, we don't dress up for church anymore and all this stuff. All of that is great. But at the end of the day, we have to remember the things that ought to be at the substratum of our faith. There are people who died so that you could say, I believe in the Trinity. There are people who died so that you could say that Jesus Christ is one, is one, that Jesus Christ is uh, one essence in two natures, that he's fully God and fully man. You know Santa Claus? This, this, this is actually a pretty funny story. Uh, Saint Nicholas, who Santa Claus is named after and we call Santa Claus, there was a guy, there was a false teacher named Arius. Everybody say Arius. I mentioned Arius last week. He was teaching that Jesus is a created being. In the early church he's like he's a created being and this is what he was teaching and Santa Claus was so mad Saint Nick was so mad that he punched him <laughs> so Santa that's coming down your chimney research it if you think I'm lying he actually punches him <laughs> when they're in the council uh, because he's so vexed that this guy is trying to depreciate who the Savior is so this is the time, I just want you to understand, like, like this history, this church, church history, somebody say church history is important. Help me online, put church history is important. It's important. We don't idolize church history, but we have to understand what happened and where we came from and how we got to this place. And this is why. So things like the Nicene Creed, most importantly, out in there, it, 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 it talks about all of the things that we value as Christians that unify us even though we may differ in our worship styles or in the way that we dress or whatever the case may be there are these things that unify us and I told you last week like I'm going to be doing more and more things to try and pull so that we can be ever ancient and ever new so we don't forget the old but we build on top of this stuff come on somebody and so in it, it talks about the gospel. We know the gospel. We got to be unified around what is the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 1 through like 7 outlines the gospel that Jesus, that, uh, that, that Yahweh sent Jesus, that Jesus was born of the virgin Mary, as you saw in the Nicene Creed, a virgin, born of a virgin, fully God and fully man, comes into the earth, that he lives perfectly, is without sin in other words, he goes to the cross, he dies for the sins of mankind, and that he doesn't die and then figuratively rise, but he actually rises from death. 
Like this is, this is stuff that we've got to hold to and believe. So the gospel, that's the good news. Somebody say the good news. Euangelion in the Greek. It's important. And then we went on and I told you stuff like the Eucharist, the communion. It's important. I told you starting in August, you're going to see we're going to be celebrating the Eucharist or communion every week. Because if you look historically, it was that that was the center of worship. Jesus promised to commune with us tangibly through the Lord's Supper. It was the last supper with his disciples. I mentioned this. And some of y'all are like, yo, this is weird, fam. Or I thought this was a Roman Catholic thing. No, fam. Before the Roman Catholic. If you look back, even I told you, even Martin Luther. If you go to Lutheran churches now, closer to the Reformation that you get, communion is celebrated weekly and it's treated as the body and the blood of the Lord. Not just some random thing that happens after service. We commune with God and we commune with one another. Again, it's the idea of us being able to have these things. And so I've repented because we've made it about our pulpiteering. And so it's now, it's how, how, how good can I preach? How good can I sing? How good can we? And it's about this. We've even traded re the reading of scripture to the, that has power in and of itself to thinking that every time the scripture is heard, that it has to be me telling you my thoughts about it. Oh, my. <laughs> How many of you know that scripture can stand by itself? When David said, I hide his word in my heart that I may not sin against him. He don't need a preacher. Come on, somebody. All he had to do is have that word. Come on. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What I'm doing right now is telling you my thoughts about God's word. I'm not reading the word right now. And so, Pastor Leon, that's why you're seeing some of you are like, why, are we, why do we have scripture in here? It's because you need to hear the word. Because there's power in hearing it. And all these churches talking about the word is most important. And the word, yes, the word is most important. Why don't we hear it in our services? Y'all don't like this type of stuff. Okay. You're still with me? So it's imperative for us to hear preaching. I'm not saying that, you know, that one is more important. All I'm saying is that we have to remember. So we talk about the Eucharist and, and the importance of centering our worship around the body and the blood of the Lord. Pointing us back to the sacrifice of Christ. But pointing us forward because Jesus said he's not going to eat this again with us until in heaven. So it points us forward. And I'm not going to park here too much longer. But even as you talk about it, things like our baptism. Baptism. Everybody say baptism. We are unified as it pertains to our baptism. Baptism is important. This is why. Because there are people who wonder why. Because everybody's like, oh, well, Peter said in Acts 2.38, be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of your sins. And so which baptism is correct? Jesus says in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, that you ought to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he actually says, so which formula is right? And so you have people that have challenges over this. And people that are like, what do I say? And did I get it right? And do, am I saying it right? And what did Peter mean? How many of you know, first of all, that you can do things in Jesus' name without saying in Jesus' name? I am preaching in his name. I am living in his. Oh, can I just talk about it? 
everything that I'm doing I'm doing in his name and oftentimes people read stuff and read their understanding into it and don't understand the history behind what is taking place again the doctrine of the Trinity the same time that the that the uh, that the Nicene Creed that we talked about was established to combat false doctrine these are the times when we're also reading and we're hearing again about the importance of understanding and holding to a Trinitarian view of God. That God is one God, but fully that is, that is uh, one God in three distinct parts and persons that are co-equal simultaneously existent. That we don't have to, to make stuff weird when we see Jesus in the pool or in the water getting baptized. The Holy Spirit at the same time descends on him, like any Bible readers, descends on him like a dove. And the father at that same time says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is imperative for us to note because there are people who teach, like I said, ancient heresy, modalism. Everybody say modalism. That Jesus is the Father, and then he became the Son, and then he became the Holy Spirit. That is not what the Bible teaches. Jesus is not the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father didn't die for my sins. The Father sent Jesus to die for my sins. And then Jesus left, and he said, I'm sending another comforter. Oh, y'all. I, I can I stand against heresy? I know it's not popular. But I didn't come to be popular. I didn't sign up to be popular. And so it's imperative. So when it comes to our baptism, we have to understand what Peter, Peter was not talking about a formula. Jesus listed this out. And in fact, there is a, there is a early document. Is it okay to talk about history? There's an early document called the Didache, which is, and it's spelled D-I-D. A-C-H-E for those who are interested uh, in the Didache and I love this because the the Didache is this document uh, that it was written in Koine Greek which was common Greek at the time and it was a uh, it was it's labeled the teaching of the Lord to the Gentiles or the nations by the 12 apostles so this was written like tens of years after Jesus left the earth and this was like one of the first um, manuals of instruction for worship and for service that was that was had in the early church and it was found this is an incredible document because when you're talking about what should be said again most most scholars believe this to be a first century document so because it's important for us to look not just at what your organization said is the case 200 years ago I would rather look at documentation that was around the time of Christ oh yeah so the Didache says, watch this, in chapter 7, it's a small document uh, and it's some things to combat some of these things. This is why we stand firm on stuff like, like, uh, like these things. Because it's not, okay, well you want to do it this way and I want to do it this way so we can just know what did the early church do? What did they really do? Concerning baptism, says, and concerning baptism, baptize this way. This is from the apostles. Having said, first said all these things, baptize into the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And so he makes, the, the apostles actually give us this. And then they say, and this is, this, this is going to mess with some of y'all, and, and this is a challenge to me. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then he says, in living water. Speaking about, if you have the opportunity, go to water. Like a body of water and a river. Because it's the symbolism of washing away your sins. Oh, this is cool. I, I'm, am I the only nerd in this place? 
I guess I'm a nerd. I, I just love this type of stuff. Like some people just get excited about coming and dancing and shouting and stuff. I love dancing and shouting, but I love learning too. You see what I'm saying? And so look, so he says, and then he goes on and says, in living water, but if you don't have living water, baptize into other water. And if you cannot in cold, in warm. See, so y'all have this bougie, we have bougie baptism here. And then they go on, they say, uh, in warm. And then, uh, but if you have not either, pour out water thrice or three times upon the head in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he even goes on and says, and, and this is a challenge, he says, but before the baptism, let the baptizer fast and let the baptized and whatever others who can. So this is a solemn moment. It's not just the person getting baptized, but it's the person who's doing the baptism. That's why I fast when I baptize people. And this is important. And, it, and then he goes on, he says, he says, and whatever others can. Um, but then he says, uh, but you shall order the baptized to fast one or two days before. So this was something, this was a document, the Didache, that is written literally tens of years after Christ left the earth by the apostles as an instruction because there are so many Gentiles that were coming in, people who were non-Jews, and they want to understand, you know, how are we supposed to do certain things? So they talk about the celebration of the Eucharist. They talk about how you receive leaders. It's an incredible document. You should go check it out, uh, and it says some other things, and obviously a lot of, some of it is relevant to the time, but there are many practices in there that really help us, and I don't have time. I have some, I, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to uh, uh, unpack some more of these things, but baptism is imperative. It's one of those things that unifies us. And so when, although you may be in a different denomination or congregation or whatever, because there are some of us, you're saying, well, what should separate, shouldn't stuff separate us? Do we just accept everything and anything? No, that's not what I'm saying when I'm saying that we are to be united. What I'm saying is we're to be, we might have differences as it pertains to worship styles. We might have differences as it pertains to names. We might have differences as it pertains to modes of dress. We might have differences as it pertains to all of these things in our history and how it goes. But we can still be unified in the things that matter. The, the things that were left to us by Jesus, the apostles, and those after the apostles. As far back as we can go, we can stand on these things and be unified as a Christian body. And so baptism is one of those things that is powerful. This is why when you are baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you are going back to something that is ancient. You are affirming the Trinity which people died and sacrificed for so that you and I could believe and hold this. You are, you are, you are holding to this thing. And it's something that identifies you with the Christian body. Are y'all still my friend? And I want you to understand this, man. I mean, it's so powerful because there's so many things... That in most cases, when we think that we have, when we think that we have differences with people, we just haven't had a conversation with them. Some of the things that you think that you differ with people on or that you, you think you know what they believe, it's based upon caricatures. It's based upon stuff that people have told you. You know, there are people who think that if you believe in the Trinity, that you believe in three gods. There are people who think, that if you believe in the Trinity, you don't believe that Jesus is God. And it's like, no fam, yes, if you believe in the Trinity, we do believe that Jesus is God, but we, be we don't believe he's the only part of God. And so it's important for us to have conversations and to get to the place where we understand 
that we, where we have conversations and where we understand what unites us and we do our best to live in a place of uniting, where we don't make it our goal to try and chop everybody down. But we find what unifies us so we can realize that he's our father. And can I tell you, even if you disagree with people, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 says, pursue peace with all men. And holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You and I, it should be our goal to even when we disagree, to try and find common ground so that we can have conversation and that we can connect and that we can continue to grow together. Oh my, I know this is a hard saying, but I hope that you grab this stuff and that it, that it continues to challenge you to get to the place where we see God as our father and not just my father. I hope that this was a blessing to you. If it was a blessing to you, go ahead and put those hands together and give God praise. I have so much more to say, but I just don't have the time. I don't have the time. I don't have the time. I just want to, and, and the reason why I stand against these things, I want you to understand, and I know it's not popular, but the reason why is because I want people to understand that there's so much that we believe today that is just a reincarnation of historic false doctrine. And people present stuff as it being new. And it's like, look at the date. Look at the timestamp on those things. When did it pop up? When did it come? Let's do our best to connect to the ancient faith. And let's make sure that as we're doing that, that we're connecting with one another. Because there are things that matter. These are things that matter. Don't let the devil tell you that it's all just all about relationship and your relationship. No, fam. It's, there's, there's power in us being unified in our belief and in our understanding and celebrating it in the traditions and the contexts of others even if it looks different than what our context might look like.